Hello and welcome to today's podcast. It's our great pleasure today to have with us Kerry Murphy from The Fabricant, based over in Sweden, Amsterdam. Got Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Got it wrong already. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Kerry, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Oh, so first question, when was, Fabricant, when was The Fabricant founded? Well, officially we were founded on January 1st, 2018. But uh, I, I think the inception of the idea came much earlier in 2016 already uh, when we just started. I, basically for me, it just started out by making a small motion test with a student uh, from the Amsterdam Fashion Institute. Mm-hmm. And that kind of became a fully fledged project, which became another proof of concept project, which became a pilot project, okay. which became business development in 2017. And then end of 2017, I just thought that the time was right to go 100% of my time on board in develop, developing this idea further. So it really, on the 1st of January 2018, I basically changed my my previous business into the fabricant. That's amazing. So tell us, um, tell us about your vision of the future of fashion and how the fabricant, the, the technology that you're using and how the fabricant is going to be changing the space. Well, I think there's usually two different discussions with that. And one is our business pitch and the other one is our abstract vision of the future. So I'll focus on the abstract vision of the future because that's the thing that I'm truly excited about. Uh And and it really just starts with the idea of uh, together with our creative director, Amber, uh, she envisioned a future where everybody wears holograms. Um, I'm not crazy about the, the idea of a hologram. So we changed that into that our virtual identities will wear digital clothing in the future to create our digital identities. Uh, so we really talk about the day when everybody will be wearing digital clothing, whether that's our physical lives or our digital lives is irrelevant, but that there will be a day that everybody will have a digital wardrobe and there will be a day that people will be actually thinking of what kind of digital clothing will they wear today. So that's really our guiding light. That's the that's where we're going towards to. And uh, we just have to take 20 steps back and ask ourselves, what can we do today to take a step towards that future? Okay. And tell us about um, the technologies and skills that you have to bring together in order to create virtual fashion. So for us, especially, it's about converging two different industries. My background being in visual effects and Amber's background being in fashion design. Mm-hmm. So we combine visual effects uh, tools and techniques together with the craftsmanship of fashion through digital fashion. So in the future, I think that will be one person. But right now in our company, we still have to combine a digital fashion designer with a 3D designer to be able to do what we do because it's two different languages and it's mm-hmm. two different craftsmanship and it's two different needs and it's two different type of people. So it's really that new language that we're trying to create that is basically our product. That's amazing. Wasn't Amber one of the, the first ever students to graduate in Amsterdam with a purely digital fashion collection? Yeah, so no physical collection yeah. whatsoever. And uh, she, she really had to fight her way through with her teachers Good to be able to be, yeah, exactly, to be able to allow to have that. And her teachers were very skeptical. But I think she passed with like a you know, very high grade. It was like a nine, something like that. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a big risk from her and it was a big risk from her teachers. But uh, yeah, it's paying off right now. And when she graduated, there was not a single 
digital fashion designer job available for her at that time. But now if a student graduates with a, you know, digital fashion knowledge, they get like, you know, quite a high level position at these companies straight away because they're high in demand and the supply is too little. Wow. So it's moving. It's, it's changing very, very quickly, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, speed of change is immense. So I, I've seen a few bits and pieces, but can you tell me more about the, the virtual catwalk, which is, is now very much a reality and offers um, the whole fashion space real-time engagement, really, doesn't it, in that virtual world? How, how quickly do you think the industry can adopt? And what are the biggest challenges, you think, that lie ahead? Two big oh, wow. questions there, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very big questions. Yeah. Well, I can see how, how much that conversation has shifted from last year to this year, hmm. that uh, a lot of the brands that we, we are speaking with are already talking about the virtualization of the catwalk, and they see what the added value there is, and it's really about the... You know, something that hasn't changed since its inception. Uh, the way that fashion is presented, the whole idea of fashion weeks and fashion catwalks, uh, it's still the same and it is very exclusive for a small group of people and now it can be become very inclusive for the whole world by creating these digital experiences. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, brands, they always talk about you know, VR, virtual reality experience where somebody across the other side of the world can just put on virtual reality classes and be part of the catwalk. But I think that's still thinking too small. The whole idea of catwalk can be completely transformed by these digital experiences. So a lot of the discussion is based on the medium, you know, how we experience that, how, how we see it, and much less about the experience. You know, how, how, do, you, how do you dictate the, the future fashion of the catwalk? How do, how do you present your new collection? And, you know, it, it is a cliche, but your imagination is your limitation when it comes down to creating these 3D experiences. So it's all about you know the narrative and the tool sets and the skill sets. How do we utilize those and how do we visualize those? And something that we are talking about constantly is like what is the true added value of digital fashion or 3D fashion? You know, a, lo a lot of people are just doing, just taking a physical garment and just creating a literal translation of that physical garment in digital space. Now, why would you do that when that workflow is so much more expensive and takes much more time if you can just do product photography or videography? Why not add that extra value to that? Why not create clothing that is, cannot exist in the physical space? Why not create clothing that can also still be very beautiful and emotionally engaging in the digital space, hence creating this new language of fashion? And that's where we see that the true value is. So you, you're actually taking fashion to a much uh, higher than couture, does that make sense? So you're creating, well, as you say, kind of garments that wouldn't, would be too, wouldn't be affordable in the physical sense, but can be worn in the virtual yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess like, I absolutely love Iris von Herpen's stuff, you know, so it's so I. imaginative. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, she does a fantastic job, but she's still working within those limitations of gravity and materials and this and that, you know, we can even take it a one step further from uh, where she's at and just create, you know, something like a beautiful language. I, I, she has her own aesthetic language. And, you know, so how can we actually create this new aesthetic language of digital fashion? And I think it, it's a lot more accessible for even students to create collections that are on the same quality level as Iris von Herpen. It is possible now. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, like, like what happened in my craftsmanship? Like I went to school for film, you know, university and everything. Many, many years of actually learning the theory, learning the rules, learning the tools and techniques. And, you know, like I was very proud when I came out of school of having that understanding of film and visual effects and what goes into that craftsmanship. Now, what has happened? And with our smartphones or with apps like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, these 12-year-old kids, they're murdering my craftsmanship because they have no, no respect for, you know, all the stuff that I've learned because they don't yeah. care. Yeah. They just want to create content. They just want to create their narratives. They want to express themselves in a unique way in the digital space by creating this content, you know, and the smartphone is enabling them to do that. And I'm just like, oh my God, but it's not, it's not using that tool properly. It's not using that technique it's properly. It's distorting your vision. Yeah, but it yeah. doesn't matter because in the end, it's just about engaging with your community. So, and that's what's going to happen with fashion as well. I believe like, you know, software like Clo3D is making it so easy for, you know, young kids to actually design clothing that's not physically possible, you know, that they don't have to care about the craftsmanship at all. The only thing that they want to do is just create something that feels right for them, that engages them emotionally and engages their audiences or communities emotionally because it's a way for them to connect to the world and really express themselves creatively. And do you think that technology came from the gaming industry, hasn't it? It's been built from all nomads who have grown up playing as children with all of that technology is, um, is also driving a new generation of practitioners as well. People like yourself who have who have gone into that industry. And Amber said that when I was chatting with Amber last year, she said, you know, she'd she'd grown up playing on the Xbox and the digital space was she just was so connected to it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, for, for me as well, I grew up with games. I mean, mm. I skipped school just to play uh, Tony Hawk <laughs> on PlayStation 1, yeah. but, you know, and those type of things. But then how that evolved for me as well, you know, gaming has limitations and it, it is creative. So for me, learning the tools of uh, film and visual effects or like animation programs was right. just another game. Now, that's, this game just didn't come with any rules. This game, I had to make the rules myself. So it, it, it has a lot of overlap. And yeah, there is Marvelous Designer and there is Clo3D, which is essentially the same company. And for me, what happened with Marvelous Designer that is focused in gaming uh, really changed the way that I started working. It just became just another tool that have, had a kind of a fun gamified aspect to it and really just completely change my mindset of how I approach certain set of problems. And it actually helped me solve a lot of the problems that I had before in a much easier way, which paved way for a lot more creativity in yeah. the end. And I think that that's what it really comes down to. And I always say that Clo3D basically really revolutionized the way that clothing is being handled in the film and visual effects world in the gaming industry. So fashion is basically inspiring gaming but gaming is also inspiring fashion so it's really this kind of cross industry things that are happening where industries are starting to merge with each other to create these different types of experiences as you said it's the convergence of all of those communities that that, that is driving the change isn't it as well and it's the same i believe so yeah and it's the same it's just kind of the same footprint foot, 
print, I guess, through the supply chain too, where all of these different technologies are converging at the same time. And I see that in my own work in the digital space of textiles, where the supply chain has to become more transparent, therefore it has to become more automated. So everything has to move more into the digital space. And at the very beginning of this journey, which is where we all are in, the, in digital disruption, we're all right at the very beginning, would you agree that one of the, the biggest applications for your technology too could also be to help the fashion companies provide a much more sustainable option? Yeah, by absolutely. Not, by not producing as much stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So then now, now we get to the business pitch side Go of our it. company, <laughs> which is like, it's, it's really looking at what is the opportunity right now. Uh -huh. And every single company has a need to be more sustainable. And uh, it really starts in the design phase. So yes. if, you, if you design digitally, you know, you get rid of samples, you get rid of uh, having to um, ship them, you know, to the manufacturers, you know, somewhere far away. Uh, so that carbon footprint can basically disappear from the complete design phase while also allowing for much more rapid prototyping, you know, test your ideas uh, much quicker, start getting data from your communities to see whether they actually, whether it makes sense to uh, produce these collections. Absolutely. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just a much, much more smarter way of working. And I see that a lot of companies have their eye on it. And then when I go to these kind of 3D fashion conferences, I see a lot of companies are trying to reinvent the wheel. They're yeah. trying to reinvent of like, yeah, how do we, you know, do material libraries, for instance. So they're coming up with all these new tools and material libraries. Mm -hmm. And for me, coming from visual effects, I'm like, well, that tool already exists and it's much more advanced than the tool that you already have. So it's kind of funny how disconnected, you know, it can be because there are so many tools already exist to be able to bring fashion into its, you know, digital life. But nobody's really looking at the tools that exist. They're just trying to reinvent them. And they're very basic for me. Like I was at this conference last week and it's it's kind of like going back in time, like yeah. when I first discovered 3D software, you know, all the capabilities, but all the limitations that it had as well. So when I see a lot of the discussions that are happening there, a lot of the tools that are happening there, I just feel like, well, you know, the film industry was there already 20 years ago. So why not just utilize their tools and knowledge and bring them directly into fashion? So I'm not... I don't really know what the answer to that is, but it's a, it's an interesting place to be because I feel like I have a crystal ball into the future of fashion just by looking at, you know, the digital transformation of the film industry or the digital transformation of the architecture industry, you know, provides a lot of those uh, answers to where, where fashion is going already. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it, there's just so many challenges and the biggest challenge is basically mindset uh, uh, because it has to be a collaborative effort. And uh, it's still very secretive. The fashion end is still very, very secretive. And very much. Yeah, you know, so protective about everything, you know, don't want to share anything. And that's, that's a massive thing that we want to change with the fabric. And that's why we, you know, give away you our do. clothing for free. Yeah. You know, and now we're starting to give away uh, the, the files from our client projects for free. But that's a massive challenge because we need to talk to the talk to the brands and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. We want to give, give away basically your stuff for free uh, with this ideology behind it. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's hard to get them on board, you know. So I guess very... some will, some won't. I mean, we'll, we'll get there, but it's, just, it's, it's so early on for them. It, it's yeah. that. It's a whole it's, mindset. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it is, changing it, a mindset. 
Yeah, and we, we were working together with PVH Digital Transformation Team called Stitch, uh -huh. and they're fantastic. They're so far in that digital transformation, and they're creating great tools to actually completely transform the way that a big company like PVH will actually, you know, process their whole clothing from design all the way to, you know, virtual fitting. Uh, and I think from what I hear from their biggest challenges is uh, mid and senior management because they, you know, they are the ones who have their asses on the line. If they don't make their goals, they might lose their jobs. Right. Now, what's happening with digital transformation, it's, it's so much disruption that they get scared because their designers can't design anymore or they have to learn new tools, which is making everything slower. And if everything slows down, you know, they're not going to be able to make their KPIs, their goals, which is going to make them look bad as managers, which so they can't get that promotion that they're working towards. To. So it's, um, you know, I, yeah, but if it's my ass on the line because somebody else is disrupting it, I would also have pushback on that. So it just means that everybody has to be on board. Everybody has to be sold on that vision. So it really has to start from the C level where the CEO has to set the vision, but also drive the vision forward. And the CEO of PVH, he has that vision, you know, and he's trying to push it forward as much as possible. But it just takes time. Yeah. It really has to be, you know, first, first of all, you need to have to have that vision, implement the vision, and then give it time for people to actually be able to adopt it. Just like last weekend, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's uh, uh, just, I think she's in her 50s. It's just like, like fully, full pushback on digital fashion, you know, just like coming up with all she has, not believing in that vision at all. But by the end of the night, after all of our discussions, you know, you start seeing kind of snippets of uh, you know, enlightenment coming there and starting to see the value in it. And slowly that shift will come because basically our vision was the same last year as it is this year, but it took a long time for people to actually start understanding what we're doing. You know, all of the business development that we've done since last year, we're basically starting to work with those brands right now because it was so hard for them to understand what we do. They, they're like, I see it, I like it, I don't understand it. I don't know how it fixes my problems of tomorrow. I don't know how it fixes uh, the goals that I need to make today. And then we have to really just start educating them so they can take it further into their institutions and educate their teams uh, below and above them. So it, it's a lot about that conversation. And the further we push it, I think digital fashion is, is becoming mainstream this year. People are starting to understand the value of it and slowly they want to start adopting it, but they still don't know what it means when it comes down to solving their problems on a daily basis. Yes, as you say, it's early on, but look how far you've come in just one year. Yeah, well, massive change. It's crazy how much it's changed. Yeah, it really came like from nothing to mainstream in one year. Yeah. I think that's, that's massive. Yeah. It's incredible. And the integration into the deeper supply chain too as well. For the, for the application of these technologies. I mean, I, I see it in my space, in the, in the digital print and textile space, um, two, 2D and 3D um, systems all now having to hook in to the digital frame so that when you create something, you create a, a twin. The digital twin is, is very much what you guys are working with, isn't it? Well, digital twins and beyond, the, the actual totally vertical. 
but for the industry to have the fine technology that, that you're so aware of from the cinema, cinematography, you have that deep appreciation and understanding of what that technology can add to the fashion industry. And it's incredible that you're bringing all of that through in the fabricant into an, a, and redefining a new space. Now I had, Kerry, a whole list of questions and I think we've pretty much chatted through all of them, haven't we? So I'm just gonna, um, okay. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna just ask you one more, which was just, can you just talk to me about, um, this is really, as you say, a landmark, I guess, in, um, in virtual fashion. Can you tell me about the first digital dress and the, um, the, the sale in Brooklyn, the iridescence dress? Can you tell us a bit of the history on that? It'd be very interesting for people. Well, absolutely. Um... Yeah, yeah, I guess all the press that we've been getting uh, on that, they kind of forgot to really mention okay. the, back, the background on it. Yeah. Only thing that they were focused on was like, oh my God, a digital-only dress sold for $9,500. But basically, the idea came from Dapper Labs, which is a blockchain uh, company in Vancouver. And uh, they already had the experience uh, called CryptoKitties, where they sell il illustrations of cats on blockchain. And it was like a massive hype. Uh, in 2018 where they basically broke the Ethereum system for like one day because they had so many transactions in one go and they already sold a crypto kitty for hundred and forty thousand wow. dollars last year at this auction you know and it's just an illustration of a cat you know so there's no like real world value with it so they came up with this idea after seeing our work of like why don't why don't we sell a digital only dress on the blockchain uh, so we were developing this idea maybe for like three months or so talking about it. Um, and it was never really sure if it would go through. I mean, I absolutely loved the idea and I was pushing it through with them as much as possible. And I think we even had little Michaela, the Instagram uh, influencer, on board on the project for a while. So we would actually dress her in the digital clothing. But she was coming out with a physical clothing line at the same time. So they, their team thought it was like to... Uh, uh, confusing for their community to launch something that's digital only while they have a physical mm -hmm. clothing line at the same time. So then Dapper Labs brought Johanna Jaskowska on board, who's this uh, uh, Instagram face filter creator, to be the model of the project. So we would dress Johanna with this digital clothing that then would be the, the image of the campaign for the art auction at the blockchain conference Ethereal Summit in Brooklyn. So it was really pushed into this art corner because it was an art auction and there were like 20 other uh, blockchain art uh, items being sold that day as well. And I think, uh, so So it was a CEO of a blockchain company who bought it and he bought it for his wife to wear. Uh, and funny thing about that is like, even though it's nine and a half thousand dollars, there was a little bit of a miscommunication at some point because uh, the pre-bid actually started at $10,000. So we already knew that this dress would be sold for $10,000. Right. And uh, then when the auction started, it started at $7,500. I was like, what's going on? That's so oh. weird. I thought the pre-bid was $10,000, but apparently the pre-bid was in Canadian dollars, oh. which I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, so it started at $7,500 US dollars. And it went really quickly. Like this, uh, The art auction person was just kind of like, uh, you know, like, oh, seven and a half, 
uh, 8,000, 8,500, 9,500, 9,500 sold. You know, it just, I was like, what, what just happened? First of all, pre-bid was at 10K and then this auction thing just went on for 30 seconds. Yeah. They didn't even give them a chance to go over 10K. I was just sold. And I just had like complete mixed feelings at the moment. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's fantastic. First of all, that we're selling a digital only garment this year yeah. for this amount. Fantastic. But, you know, people were throwing around numbers before the auction. Yeah, it's going to go for 25K. Oh, it's going to go for 50K. It's going to go for 80K. You know, people were saying it's, it's even going to go for six numbers. And because they already had sold this crypto kitty for $140,000 last year. But because it's crypto winter, so, you know, the whole kind of blockchain, cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin world was kind of under turmoil. A lot of the valuation had gone down within uh -huh. a year. So everybody was like scared to actually, you know, invest more yeah. into these types of things. Uh so that, that's kind of the whole backstory of, of what happened. But then what happened next, which was, okay, that it was picked up by uh, press. Uh, I think within first two weeks, there was not so much hype about it. And then on the week four, it was basically just all over the place. And I still get a lot of requests from all over the world to send some images for it and talk a few words about it. Yeah. So it, it is great. But at the same time, if you think about it, it's nothing new. Um, World of Warcraft has been selling skins uh, for almost two decades for that price point. Yeah. When, I, when, I was in, when I was in film school, one of my best friends there was basically playing World of Warcraft 24-7, and he was just showing me you know, these World of Warcraft identities uh, on eBay for being sold for the same price. You know, This was over 15 years ago. Yeah. Now, just because it just happened to happen for the fashion industry, uh, yeah, it's all of a sudden it's, it's big news. But honestly, it, it isn't, you know, this is, this is the future, which has been happening already for 15, 20 years to begin with. Yeah. Now it's just like, how can we, you know, how, if we would do that again, how would we do it differently? You know, it's just like suddenly you put a monetary value on something and people just look at it differently. Like we've had some crazy reactions online, you know, my LinkedIn went nuts, Instagram <laughs> went nuts, you know, it's just like. It was also on Forbes' uh, Instagram page. And uh, the comments that I see there are just ridiculous. You know, like people are really connecting this digital-only dress being sold to actually, you know, saying the world is a terrible place. Uh, you know, that it, you know, creates a massive disconnection between us. And then I saw it on, I think I saw it on TechCrunch as well, or in Gadget. And it's the same thing, you know, like all these tech nerds just thinking it's the most ridiculous thing that has ever happened oh, that's, in this That's world. crazy because you could say, you could turn that the other way around and say the same about cinema and a, and a virtual experience going watching a film. It's actually kind of the same thing in a way. You Absolutely. Might, yeah, or a piece of digital art, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like all, all, the, all the objections that I see coming by is all the objections that I saw when... Uh, MySpace or Facebook started or social yeah. media to begin with or when smartphones came out when internet came out yeah. uh, and I've heard the same stories about when the TV came there radio we books, go back, you know, we like, go way back when now <laughs> yeah it's like always this pushback you know like I read this super interesting article about when books were first invented that the church basically labeled books as the devil and, you yeah. know that they yeah. they had just like mass book burnings because <laughs> it was it was so weird that we were distributing knowledge in such a way, so it's it's just uh, yeah it's just something new and you know this kind of 
validates it for me that it has a, has a lot of future proof in it. You know, if there, if there is so much pushback, people care. And now it's just about, you know, going around those objections and actually starting to add value for digital clothing. So yeah. it adds value to our lives. So it adds value to our digital lives yeah. and that it adds value to our physical lives and that those two lives are actually coming together. Yeah, we, we touched on just one last thing. We, we touched on this off air, actually. We were talking about body scanning and how um, moving to the future you can actually, using your, all of your technology, create a, an avatar of yourself, which again has a value and has a, um, an ID and obviously lots of um, data issues and things going on there. But basically, if, if you choose to exist, if you choose to exist and create and buy in a virtual space, then by being more relevant and accurate, you're therefore gonna be more sustainable, aren't you? Absolutely. I, this, like if, like the Carlings experience, for for instance, uh -huh. it just, yeah, it, it takes away from people actually having to wear physical clothing or clothing. Uh, you know, I think many of us know about the whole uh, uh, trend that you know kids order you know thousands of euros of luxury clothing, uh, put it on, take a picture put it on the Instagram and send it back. So first of all, it has that benefit of actually saving returns yep. and, you know, making physical clothing. It, it's, there's just like so many different places where it actually adds value, where we can reduce the physicality yes. of the side of actually, you know, changing that experience. I, I always say that to change culture, we need to change the experience uh -huh. because now, right now the experience is going to H&M, Zara, uh, Mango, Primark, you know, buying shitloads of clothing because yep. it's super cheap and, uh, you know, wear it once, wear it never. It doesn't really matter because it was so cheap. Uh, you know, so once we're capable of changing that experience, that's when fast fashion will disappear, you know. So it's really up to the creators to create an experience that is more sustainable in the future. Because what H&M has done, it's created an unsustainable future and they're very well aware of that and they're trying to change that. But because they created this cultural experience that a lot of people want because they want cheap clothing. They want it fast and they want it immediately and they want it for every single occasion. They, they understood that opportunity, but it was really just opportunists in mind rather than, you know, the person that wanted to create, you know, more value for the world other than, you know, being able to clothe yourself in as many ways as possible. Now, digitization will allow for that as well in a much more magnified and scaled experience where we can actually make it much, much more creative. So once those uh, experiences start popping up, where it actually is so much fun, where it has kind of, I guess, you know, the word is gamification, but how, how is it like, you know, a fashionable experience? How can you go into the digital space and feel like that you are getting the luxury fashion experience. For instance, when you go to, you know, like a Chanel store or Xenia store, you know, you get an experience with it. You know, people really guide you through the whole experience to, to give you, make you feel connected to the clothing, make you respect the clothing, that it comes from some type of craftsmanship and that you want to wear it because you respect it. And now how, how do we create something like that in the digital fashion? space you know like once it feels like a luxury experience and it is affordable mm -hmm. you know yeah. the reason why nobody's wearing luxury clothing because it's not affordable for anybody so they they're going with the you know the fast fashion experience because 
Yeah, it you're is. right, and, and that's why you see the huge growth in the rent market as well, isn't it? It's partly sustainable, but it's all, all also about people being able to wear couture that they cannot afford. Yeah, absolutely. But then like a lot of people have pushback on that because it's this idea. It's like, oh, my God, somebody else has worn it, you know. So then yeah. that that's like I, I absolutely love, you know, the, the you know clothing libraries, the, you know, mm-hmm. the Airbnb of uh, fashion, all, all these type of experiences that exist. But now how do we change the mindset of people that they everybody will want to do that because the majority still thinks that they don't want to wear clothing that other people have worn? then your virtual fashion is the perfect solution. <laughs> yeah, because you don't, really, you don't really have that second-hand aspect to it, which I find is a super interesting concept. What is second-hand digital clothing? Yeah, you know, that, oh God, that's going to give you a headache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, well so, somebody already posted it on our Instagram because we just recently yeah. uh, released the images from the person who uh, bought the iridescent dress. Yeah. And somebody said on Instagram, like, isn't this just second-hand digital clothing? I'm like, baby. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, oh, it's great. That's a great note to end on, actually. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thank you very, very much Thank for you all too. your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, good luck with everything. I'm sure you're going to do absolutely brilliantly. And uh, we'll keep following. Thanks, Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. you Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Ciao.